0: Welcome to another episode of Solace, Soul Plus Grief. We're glad you're here. When we started this ministry, we hoped to reach out and be available to those who are grieving. We wanted to use prayers and stories, scriptures and contemplations and reflections to accompany you on your journey as you grieve. My name is Candy Lucas. I'm your host. This podcast is supported by Catholic Cemeteries, Diocese of San Jose. You're always welcome in our circle of healing love. Recently, I had some feedback on this podcast. Somebody told me it was too dark and gloomy. I thought about that for a few days. Maybe there are things about grief that are not dark and gloomy. And We've had people in the past talk about humor in terms of their grieving. And so I set upon a project to try to find something lighthearted about grief. I'm sure there are things out there. I just couldn't find them. Grief is such hard work. It consumes us sometimes, and sometimes it takes a little less effort, but it's always something that we have to work on or work with, and that's why we're lucky to have a God that wants to be involved in our lives, wants to accompany us in our lives, and especially in the hard times. I'm not a Buddhist, but I know the Buddhists talk a lot about suffering. And we have a very different kind of view about suffering in the Christian world. We understand that it is part of the human condition, and we believe that's part of the reason Jesus became man, is to join in our human suffering. So it's hard to find a light place of suffering, and I don't think I'll try to. The Buddhists, I think, believe that through suffering we can be made more Christ-like, if that sounds like an oxymoron. It probably is. And in a way... Our own church asks us to observe suffering, to find the sacredness in it. And I believe that's all so that we can come together and share that human experience. I have some work today by Rainier Maria Rilke, who I've used before. His poetry seems to me especially speaking to the human condition of both suffering and joy at the same time. Many poets can explain one and can't begin to explain the other. He tries to come from a place of wholeness, seeing the darkness, experiencing the light, and maybe that's what that person meant when I got the comment about dark and gloomy. It's a mere description of something that we're sharing, the darkness and the gloom. But part of its purpose is to give us an appreciation for the light, to make us long for the light, to make us enter the light to understand that God's hand and heart are waiting for us in the light and healing too. So we'll take this idea of suffering and gloom and we'll let Rilke talk to us about both sides. In this first poem, he speaks directly to God. I am, O oh, anxious one. Don't you hear my voice, surging forth with all my earthly feelings? They yearn so high that they have sprouted wings and whitely fly in circles around your face. My soul, dressed in silence, rises up and stands alone before you. Can't you see? Don't you know that my prayer is growing ripe upon your vision as upon a tree If you are a dreamer I am what you dream But when But when you want to wake I am your wish And I grow strong with all the magnificence and turn myself into a star's vast silence above the strange and distant city, time. This reminds me so much of what it feels like to let go and let God, let God receive us, let God embrace us, let God touch our hearts and open our hearts, and love us fully. This letting go of our earthly struggles, if only for a moment, and relishing his embrace. And then there is comfort. This is called Before Summer Rain. Before Summer Rain. Suddenly, from all the green around you, something, you don't know what, has disappeared. You feel it creeping closer to the window, in total silence, from the nearby wood. You hear the urgent whistling of a plover, reminding you of someone's Saint Jerome. So much solitude and passion come from that one voice, whose fierce request the downpour will grant. The walls, with their ancient portraits, glide away from us, cautiously, as though they weren't supposed to hear what we are saying, and reflected on the faded tapestries now, the chill, uncertain sunlight of those long childhood hours when you were afraid. The next poem is called The Swan and it describes the work of grief. This laboring through what is still undone as though legs bound we hobbled along the way is like the awkward walking of the swan and dying to let go no longer feel the solid ground we stand on every day, is like his anxious letting himself fall into the water, which receives him gently, and which, as though with reverence and joy, draws back past him in streams on either side, while infinitely silent and aware. In his full majesty and ever more indifferent, he condescends to glide. And you can almost hear God speaking to us through the prophet Hosea chapter 11. When you were a child, I loved you. Out of Egypt, I called you. The more I called you, the further you went from me, sacrificing to the balls and burning incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught you to walk and took you in my arms. I drew you with human cords with bands of love. I fostered you like one who raises an infant to his cheeks. Yet though I stooped to feed you, you did not know that I was your healer. brings to a close another episode. I'm Candy Lucas, aftercare coordinator at the Catholic Cemeteries for the Diocese of San Jose, California. Please subscribe to this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can reach us through the email or phone number at the show notes. Remember, we offer spiritual direction free of charge through Catholic cemeteries. Thank you for spending some time with us. You're always welcome in our healing circle of love. Vaya con Dios.